Welcome listeners, I'm Jasmine Zuniga and you are about to listen to Undivided Minds, a podcast designed to feed your mind. We have two high school students here with us today to share their perspective on vaping. Thank you for being here. I am Imelda Dominguez and I'm a junior at Beloit Memorial. I'm Alyssa Harmon and I'm also a junior at Beloit Memorial. And I'm Maggie Kosicki. I'm the Evaluation Specialist for Youth to Youth for Change. So today our topic is going to be about vaping and how it has affected and evolved. So Alyssa, what have you seen in class classrooms dealing with vaping? I've seen a lot. At the beginning of the school year, I didn't really believe all the hype because I wasn't seeing it. But as the school year went on, I definitely started to see it more and more. Um, I would see kids vaping out windows, kids vaping in the bathroom. And then one day I was sitting in class and a kid was hiding under his sweatshirt. And so the teacher went over and pulled the hood up and a big cloud of smoke came out. And so right then it clicked that he was vaping. And so, of course, the teacher had to punish the kid. And that really took a lot of time out of our class time. And it really distracted us. And we weren't able to get back on focus. Yeah, I feel like it distracts a lot of people and also it affects you. So how do you think this has affected your education? I definitely think a lot of time has been wasted. And unfortunately, our teachers already struggled to get the full curriculum in every year. So taking out all of this distracted time really isn't helping. It is really having to make us go at a faster pace that some kids can't keep up with. Yeah, how do you think administration has dealt with it? I think they're trying the best they can, but because it is something that's growing and it's something that's still fairly new in our school district, they're really not sure what to do and when to do it. Um, Some steps that they have taken is they have closed school bathrooms in some of the hallways that have been known as vaping bathrooms. But this is very unfortunate for kids who aren't being punished because we still have to use the bathroom and we only have a short period of time to do so. And so it really makes it inconvenient for us. Do you think closing the bathrooms has deterred students from using? Do you think it was an effective? Unfortunately, I don't think it's been effective effective all it's done is make it inconvenient and those kids still find other places to vape whether they go out to their car and do it or they find a new bathroom they're still doing it yeah I feel like it's just so inconvenient to us for us to have to go two three hallways down just to go to the bathroom not only during our passing time when we only have a short period of time but also during class like if we have to use the bathroom during class it could add an extra two, three minutes to that time that we're gone missing the, lex- missing the lesson or missing work time. So I guess my, another question I have is, do you think teachers know what vaping devices look like or do they, do they choose to ignore them or do they try to do something when they see somebody vaping? I feel like teachers know what they are. Maybe they have an idea of what they look like, but choose to ignore it and go on with their lesson I think that's a big part of it because they don't want to waste class time either and I guess I still kind of think that they aren't as educated as they should be on them because all of the learning that they've done is in their outside lives and so a lot of teachers don't really know all of the true facts or don't know what every single one looks like or how kids hide them so I think that our school our school district should definitely invest in providing that education can you smell when somebody's using a vape like i've heard i don't 
I'm not around people that vape a lot. So, and somebody's using a vape in the classroom. Do you get that fruity smell or do you know what it smells like? I think because there are so many different flavors, there are so many different smells. And honestly, smelling it in class, it could easily be mistaken for a scented hand sanitizer or lotion or maybe even a perfume. So I don't think the smell necessarily gives it away that it's vaping. So versus like when somebody's smoking marijuana or has been around somebody that smoked marijuana, you can smell that smell versus when somebody's vaping, it could be lotion. It could be body spray. It could be something else versus just a vape. Right. Yeah, for sure. That's good to know. So Maggie, the next thing we want to talk about is a flavor ban. So can you explain a little bit about what that is? So at the end of 2019, FDA decided to, and the FDA stands for Food and Drug Administration, decided to come in and put some regulations around vaping. And the reason this was done is because they could see that the numbers were skyrocketing across the nation. So yes, we're seeing vaping in Wisconsin and we're seeing it in Beloit, but the rest of the nation is seeing it just as much as we are, if not more. So they decided to take a look at it. And what they decided with their flavoring ban is any of the cartridges that are flavored had to come off the market immediately. Now, if you you know somebody that vapes, not all of them come in cartridges. Some of them come in refillables. Some of them are disposables. So this ban only covers flavored flavored cartridges. So this would cover like Juul, um, their mango flavor or their fruit medley. They could stay on the market with their mint or their traditional tobacco flavors because technically they are not flavored kinds, even though mint is flavored they that was a loophole in the ban got it so have you seen any changes in um vaping since this flavor ban came about Amelda? i personally have seen so many like of my peers change from jewel to puff bar hide or sore which is kind of like jewel it's been uh weird to see uh, everybody just change so quickly and just keep doing keep feeding their addiction so do you think that this has made kids quit or do you think that kids have just switched to those disposables i think they just switched because it's not going to stop them from doing it they can easily find loopholes like hide they just it's all flavor it's not much of a difference for them and the disposables and the refillables and all of that, they're just as small as the cartridges. So they're just as easy to hide, right? Yeah, for sure. So I guess from a, an outside perspective of somebody that's not a, a youth and not in schools and not having friends that are vape, how do, pe- how do kids get these? Like, how are they purchasing them all the time? You know, Jewel... A jewel starter kit is about fifty dollars, and I'm not so sure about how much the like the disposables are, but they're not cheap. So how is somebody affording something like this? I feel like around this age, like fourteen, fifteen, they can get a job. They can obtain job, and they have older siblings or peers that are already eighteen or turning older than that, so they can easily get that and I definitely think there's a lot of kids who still have allowances um and how who have saved up money over time maybe as they were you know growing up and so that definitely is a way that they can afford them 
and I've found like Imelda a lot of kids have older siblings or you know older friends that can buy them legally and then give them to um, them and I also found that almost like drug dealers there are kids who deal disposables um, and they make money that way so that's another way that kids have gotten them or I've also seen like on Snapchat how they're like selling their jewel and like this is how many pods are left like give me like $50 for that or something like that they're just selling them to make a quick book and then so there's like a black market for jewels and their yeah. Po- yeah and their pods exactly like- and I definitely think that snapchat and social other social medias have played into it because that's how you get the word out these days is social media and there are social medias like snapchat that you don't have parents on you don't have adults on it's mainly kids and youth who use them so i definitely think that has made it easier to get the word out and to sell these devices yeah i agree do you guys think that youth fully understand how addictive these products are? Absolutely not. I think a lot of youth are still under the false knowledge that they're just vaping water and they're just vaping the flavors. Like there's no nicotine in them, but we have learned that there definitely is nicotine in um, vapes and that it's definitely highly addictive because we learned from cigarettes that nicotine is addictive. And I think that they're just as addictive, if not more addictive than cigarettes. And there are cases of people who have gotten addicted. And Imelda was on a Zoom call last week um, with Luca Kennard from North Carolina, who was addicted and is now in recovery. So Imelda, would you like to talk about that? Yeah, for sure. Um, Luca is a 17-year-old kid um, who first started... Um, vaping when he was around 13 or 14. He got exposed to it by some older kids at his high school and that's how he got to hang out with his quote-unquote friends and he vastly started to deteriorate and at the age of 14 or 15 he um, had a seizure and um, from there he just kept vaping and he kept killing himself a little more every day and uh, he tried therapy he tried to stop but it was an addiction he couldn't he couldn't stop he kept doing it even when his parents told him not to he couldn't stop because it's an addiction and addiction is hard to beat but it's not impossible there are many different types of um, things to stop he tried many things to stop and uh, he had to go into rehab for a month for a couple months and uh, from there he had to get clean he couldn't not because he was in rehab and that changed him that made him realize that he had to stop that's the reason he stopped and he mentioned how the eight steps of uh, recovery for addiction for alcohol he that helped him a lot in uh, processing what he was doing to himself. So a lot of people... And now... Go ahead. Okay. So a lot of people think that it's not an addiction, but you just said he had to go to rehab, correct? Yes. And this rehab is just like rehab for heavy drugs and heavy alcohol consumption. So, So it really is addictive, and I really think kids need to you know, understand that. Maggie, you were also on this Zoom call, correct? Yes. 
So what did you take away from it? And I think I'll echo what you just said is what I took away from it. I think kids and adults need to understand how addictive nicotine is. It's not just, oh, it's nicotine. I'll be able to stop whenever I want. Luca's story shares how he tried therapy. He tried quitting medication. He could not do it without rehab. And he said that pretty strongly on that call that if he wouldn't have had rehab, he probably would still be vaping. And I think that's that's hard to hear for some people because they don't think nicotine is that addictive. They think, oh, I'm going to vape or I'm going to even smoke a cigarette one or two times and I can quit and walk away. And studies show that nicotine is one of the hardest drugs to break that addiction and they have to keep trying. So I think that was the big takeaway for me is I want parents to understand that, okay, yes, your kid is vaping and they're not doing marijuana or heroin. And you might think that's a safer alternative, However, they are developing an addict addiction, like they are getting addicted to a substance and that that's cause for concern. Yeah, I know he Luca also mentioned how he was having chest pains at 15. He thought he was going to have a heart attack at 15. And that was quite possible if he kept kept um, vaping at least how many pods was it like two or three? Before? Yeah, I think he was a day. he was using quite a bit a day, which surprised me too, because uh, that's always when I talk about vaping with students or adults, they always ask me how, how much does somebody vape? And I can never answer that question because I really think it depends on the person. And he was, when he said that he was vaping, you know, two to three pods a day, I was like, whoa, that, that's a lot. And one that's like 80 cigarettes. Yes, a day. That, that's crazy. So yeah. You said he was feeling chest pain. So what other um, side effects other than addiction do these vapes cause, Maggie? So there's a lot of side effects from this. I've heard, I actually had a conversation with a mom that was a smoker. She chose to vape and then she went back to smoking cigarettes. And I said, well, what were the symptoms for you? And she said, sore throat. Uh, She had a scratchy throat all the time. She developed a cough that she could not get rid of from the vape. Uh, These were symptoms that she felt she didn't have from smoking cigarettes. So I thought it was interesting that switching to a vape caused her to have these symptoms. Now she says she has a cough that she just cannot permanently get rid of. Uh, It also can cause dilated pupils, depending on what somebody's vaping. It can cause somebody to be nauseous. You can also get, if you're somebody that is not a smoker and you pick up a vape pen for the first time and it has a high level of nicotine, you could get nicotine poisoning. And that's a reality that many people don't think about. Nicotine can absorb through the skin and one drop of nicotine could kill a 200 pound person instantly. These vape pens have no regulation on how much nicotine can be put in them. So if you're vaping and you've never tried nicotine before, you have to be very careful because it's a shock to your body, all that nicotine. So we know that there are health concerns and there are symptoms associated with vaping. So, of course, we're in COVID-19 right now, and that's, you know, a big thing going around. So is there an extra added level of concern for someone who vapes with this virus? Definitely. I think we know already that smokers are at a higher risk with COVID-19 because they are choosing to smoke traditional cigarettes, because we know traditional cigarettes affect the lungs, they affect the respiratory area. 
And you would think somebody that's vaping would be at the same high risk. Now the science is not fully developed there because they are still so new. We have not been able to research them as much as we have traditional cigarettes. But we do know in the last year, we've heard numerous stories of youth and adults going to the hospital with lung problems. They're having problems breathing. They need help breathing. They have to get lung transplants. This is all affecting the respiratory area. So with COVID-19 and already some of those higher risk factors, I would say that they're at a good chance of being at, uh, at an at-risk population. What advice would you give somebody who has been vaping during this pandemic? I think this is the same advice I'd give to somebody that's vaping outside of COVID-19 is to quit. We know that this is affecting their body in some extent. We don't know all of the research yet. We will, in a few years, know what the full extent of this is to everybody. But right now, it would be to quit. And there's numerous resources out there for them. I know the Truth Initiative has a text line that anybody, the youth can text in. They will text back with you. You can set up a time that they can um, follow up with you to see how you're doing, give you resources. In the state of Wisconsin, we have the Wisconsin Quit Line. And you can call that phone number if you smoke cigarettes, use chewing tobacco, or vape. And that number is 1-800-QUIT-NOW. And they also give medicine to help you quit and follow up with you. So that's very helpful information for people who are vaping and how to quit. But what about people who are not vaping but still want to help? How can people like that help? So what some of the things that you can do is just advocate against vaping be educated on the topic and keep up with the things that are happening and going on with the industry industry. And uh, I feel like just posting on social media that you're against vaping and showing them the facts and how it affects people and how it can deteriorate your health. Things like that will help so many people not start and also help quit. And especially right now, us all being stuck at home, now's a really good time to kind of read up on it and to post those things on social media to be an advocate. And I think also be that support system for your friends that are trying to quit. I think if somebody, especially now that we have to be apart from each other, if they're looking to quit, they need that support from their friends and their family, knowing that there are people out there that care about them, that will just check in on them. And I know there's tons of youth out there that would do that for their, fr- do that for their friends. I, I know both of you, if somebody would reach out to you and say, I need help quitting, or can you educate me on it? Both of you would immediately respond and help them. And I think that's huge right now during this time period. Yeah, for sure. for tuning in to Undivided Minds first episode. Make sure to share us with a mother, an aunt, a brother, or even a friend. And before we sign off, I'd like to ask, what can you do to advocate against vaping? This podcast is brought to you by Youth to Youth for Change, a program of family services and the Women's Fund of the Stateline Community Foundation.